Welcome to the Empower From Within podcast presented to you by Trezal House. I'm your host, Jessica West, founder, author, speaker, and coach. Every week on the show, I share an inspiring interview with an incredible entrepreneur, author, healer, or change maker to tell their empowering story. At the end of each episode, I highlight the key self-empowerment takeaways to help you discover the limitless power you have within yourself to reach for your greatest desires and create the life that's truly worth living on your terms. I'm so happy to have you here with me today and together, let's go within. Hello, and welcome back to the Empower From Within podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today, and I hope you're having a fabulous week. And if this is your first time here, welcome. I hope you enjoy today's episode and that you decide to stick around by hitting subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to right now or on our YouTube channel. Today, I'm speaking with Shannon Mondor. She is such a beautiful soul that I had the pleasure of meeting in a coaching certification program, and it was such an honor to have her on the podcast today. Shannon has lived a life full of experiences that ranged from abuse, addiction to alcohol, mental illness, suicidal thoughts, and the loss of a baby. She also struggled with being a people pleaser for much of her life, which led her to attract manipulative and narcissistic relationships. Through treatment and mindset work, among other forms of healing, she overcame her past and used her experiences to empower herself to change and break the negative generational cycles. Shannon now uses the knowledge she's gained to help others release their past and find greatness within themselves so that they can live in confidence, strength, and freedom. Her passion is to teach as many individuals as possible how to create the life they love. Shannon is also the host and creator of the Fulfillment in Faith podcast, where she teaches others to have faith in themselves, which really sets the foundation to them being able to have fulfillment in every area of their lives. Before we dive into the episode, I want to do a quick trigger warning to say that today's conversation, we talk about addiction, abuse, and suicidal ideations. If you're okay to move forward, let's dive in to this conversation. Please help me welcome Shannon Mondor. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here today. How are you doing for starters? Today, I am absolutely fantastic. And I want to say thank you for having me today. I'm I'm uh, really excited and I'm very blessed. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being here. I always love our conversations and I know this is going to be so, so valuable. And so can we start off with having you briefly share a little bit about your background and bro- what brought you or led you to becoming the mindset and manifesting coach that you are today? Sure, um, absolutely. My journey began really even before I was born because I was brought up um, in a household, a family where addiction and abuse was normalized. We're in the fourth generation now with addiction in my family. So the addictions uh, started with my father, then all of my siblings. We've all got an addiction of of some sort of another, whether it be food, whether it be alcohol or drugs. The addiction is now led into the third generation, which is my nieces and nephews. And it's even gone further into the fourth generation of my great nephews. So sadly, um, looking at that, um, you know, going throughout my whole entire life, addictions and abuse was very normal to me. 
because that's all I seen growing up. So when I was brought forth into this world, I was already brought forth into chaotic energy because of what was going on within my family dynamics. My father abused my whole entire family, especially my oldest brother and my mother. And then my father committed suicide when, um, how old was I? I was about two and a half, three years old. So I don't really have any memories, strong memories of my father. And when that took place, him committing suicide, my oldest brother took over the role of being my father. There was four of us girls which were left at home. So uh, my brother helped to raise us alongside my mother. But in doing that, he raised us exactly how he was raised. So he was extremely, extremely abusive. Um, more, more mentally, like extremely mentally, like there was physical abuse, abuse there, absolutely. But uh, mental abuse can be way more, way more damaging, especially in, in my sense, for sure. And I'll get more into that. So growing up when he would come over, um, I always lived in fear for the fact that my body was tense. Because if I ever walked by him, I always knew that I would always get pushed up against the wall. I would get pushed onto the floor. There would be a slap upside the head. There would be something physical that would happen. So I despised whenever he came over. And what even upset me even more was the fact that my mother would never do anything. She would never get mad at him. She would never tell him to stop. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that that was her normal. What she's seen was what my father had done to her. So this was all normal to her. So what my brother was doing to me was normal. So that's why she didn't feel that, you know, I needed protection or any of that. So, of course, with the resentment towards my brother and my mother, that resentment just grew inside of me throughout the years. But it also had stolen so much from who I was as an individual. I grew up always being told by my brother that you are dumb, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're never going to amount to anything. So I started to believe that because I'm told that on a constant daily basis. And then I actually started to live that as well. Because I had no confidence. I was so insecure. I lived in fear. I And then in my um, latter uh, teenage years, I became so chronic depression. There was so much depression within me. But back then, this would have been 1987, my grade 12 year. Nobody talked about depression. Nobody really knew what depression was. Like depression was something that older people got, not younger people, because it was never talked about. Um, and then... So my grade 12 year, um, because I had been suppressing my feelings since I was a child living in fear and anxiety, because those were normal feelings to me. I didn't know anything different. Grade 12, all I could do was I just wanted to sleep and sleep and sleep. I didn't, I didn't want to be awake anymore. And it was to the point that I didn't even want to be awake living. So I was extremely suicidal in my grade 12 year. And I can remember being in my brother's garage, sitting in his car, and I was just so tired. And the reason I was in the car was I just wanted to be left alone. And I just wanted to sleep. And I can remember sitting in the car and I was thinking to myself, if I turned this car on, I wonder if anybody would even know if I was dead, or if I was going to kill myself. Like these are the thoughts that are going through my head. 
in the end, I didn't turn the car on. Um, you know, I didn't suffocate or anything like that, but I did go to sleep. But I can remember waking up, I don't know how many hours later, and my family at this point was looking for me. And, and um, then I came into the garage and that, and they're like uh, into the house and they're like, oh my God, like we have been looking for you everywhere. And I'm like, no, I'm okay. And blah, blah, blah. And that was actually my sister-in-law and my brother, but my sister-in-law was kind of in tune with things. So she had pulled me aside and she goes, do you ever have suicidal thoughts? And I'm like, yeah, I do. But that's as far as it got like that. Right. But my family all in its own, we all suffered the same symptoms. We all had depression. Um, you know, at that time, my my older siblings were already into the realm of the addictions already starting because they were much older than me. Um, so that also brought into play, you know, my feelings, but also their feelings. And I didn't realize that back then either, but they, they had no self-esteem. They didn't value themselves. You know, they had made reputations of themselves and to prove themselves because my old, like every, we grew up in a smaller community. So everybody knew our family. Everybody knew our family dynamics. Everybody knew my father. So that was, we had gained a reputation from that as well. And my brothers to gain their reputation and to prove who they were, they were known as fighters. They used their fists. And so they were known as these tough guys. And as I got into my older years, like people would say to me, oh, are you such and such as father or are you such and such as daughter? And I would be like, yeah. And I would cringe because it got to the point because I, I didn't approve of any of that. And I despised my last name so bad, like despised it. And so as we got into the later years, like in my 20s, so after I was done school, I didn't graduate, which even bonded more within me that I am no good. I am stupid, you know, and I didn't graduate, not for the fact that I wasn't smart enough, but for the fact of the chronic depression that I had so badly. So I, I did, I went to school every day. I was always late. You know, my assignments were always late. You know, I was just living that role now, right. That my brother had instilled into me and I couldn't shake it. Then, you know, two days after high school was done, I was out of there, man. I was, I was leaving that area as quick as I could because I was running. I did not like my family. I did not like their name. I didn't feel that I was protected properly. So I started a brand new life. So my twenties and thirties, I became a major people pleaser. I conformed to what everybody wanted. So I turned into a chameleon. Um, you know, I attracted men. I didn't have a lot of men. There was three men throughout my twenties and thirties that I had, and they were all long-term relationships, but I let them manipulate me. I let them walk all over me because I did not want to be alone. I was so afraid to be alone and I would rather sacrifice how people treated me than being alone. That's how bad my, my self-worth was. And of course, just even friends that I had too. looking back, you know, like I, they would walk all over me, you know, and I would just let them, you know, because I, like I said, I wanted to have friendships, but then it wasn't until I got into my, I'm going to say my late thirties, early forties was when things started to really take a shift for me because I'm kind of looking at my life in general and I can't handle my life anymore because I'm not who I am. Because at this point in time, now I'm with my husband. And um, now the dynamics with my husband is um, he comes from a family which is very well known in our community. They're pillars of the community. 
They're uh, well known within the Catholic Church. Everybody knows them. Everybody likes them. They're very successful um, in business and financial. Um, you know, so they're, you know, they are, they're very well established. They're a very loving family. They're a very supportive family. They're, you know, uh, all have education. And then there's me with my family, we, addiction, abuse, lack of education, struggle um, monetary wise. Like it's just totally opposite of what my husband's family is. So then you can kind of see where I'm going here. Like I'm with a man that I absolutely love. But at the same time, because the dynamics are so different, opposites attracted there. You know, he's giving me, and I didn't realize this until just years later, like just a few years back, right? When I started to heal that, yeah, opposites definitely attract. And he gave me the support and the love that I never had. And the family, he had the family, right? That I always dreamed of having. But yet I was in a position where I didn't feel I was deserving of any of this. But yet my husband, sadly to say, but he is an amazing, wonderful man. And I'm not saying this in a bad way at all. He's a narcissist and he comes from a family of narcissism. And so I was giving everything he needed, right? He was my number one priority. Everything, our whole relationship was based upon him and his family. And the reason I did that is because of the role that I had from my past. I would do anything to please other people to like me. So that's what I did. So I was actually feeding his ego and I was feeding more into his narcissism, which was making him even more happier. And I'm not saying that my husband or his family are bad people because they are not at all. They are absolutely loving people, but I'm calling it the way I see it. And these are my feelings and my emotions of what I went to, which was a huge part of my addiction. And I speak my truth as well. So as our relationship blossoms and we have children and what do I do? I conform more of what they and him wanted me to be, right? You know, so I really lost who I was. I was playing a role of my husband's wife as a part of this family. But at the same time, I did not feel that I was good enough. Right. And so many people out there will absolutely relate to what I'm saying, too, because we do this in so many areas of our lives. So what ends up happening is suppress, suppress, suppress your body and your mind can only take so much. So I was about 43 years old. I'm 40. I'm 54 now. Um, so at about 43, 45 years old, somewhere in there, my body and my mind couldn't take it anymore. And I started having flashbacks from when I was a child. And um, they just kept on getting worse and more frequent. And this thing with my flashbacks was, is I, I really did not know whether they were true or not. So I couldn't tell anybody. And I, what happened was I was starting to go insane because uh, that's all I could think about every waking moment. So for me not to think like that, every waking moment, I started to drink and it got to a point I'm 120 pounds and I'm five foot one and a half, I was drinking up to six bottles of wine a day. And it got so bad that I would get out of bed, I would take my children to I would get out of bed, I would drink wine. Um, I would take my children to school, I would come home uh, from dropping them off at school, and I would drink all day long, then I would pass out at about 12 o'clock, 
And then I would sleep long enough to wake up for them to come home. Then I would run them all over the place for their ringette dance, whatever it was, all their sports. And then I would start drinking again. And then it got to a point where I just didn't even get out of bed. And if I did, it was just to go get wine or whatever, right? Then what happened, long story short, I ended up going to treatment. I went to the to one of the top treatment centers here up in Canada and um, in Nanaimo, BC. And I was in there for eight weeks and I was good. You know, I really wanted to go. I wanted to change. I wanted help. But then when I got out, I was in a controlled environment. I was doing really, really well. Um, then I converted my addiction to alcohol, actually, to addiction of exercise. And I always wanted to bodybuild. And I could focus now because drinking wasn't a part of it anymore. And that's what held me off before. So I ended up going into three bodybuilding competitions. Um, best. I absolutely loved it. And uh, and that's what happens. A lot of people that have addictions, they'll convert from one to the other. And mine was then exercise. Then a year to the date from when I went to the treatment center, we were invited to a wedding down in New York State for my husband's side of the family. Well, now I'm no, no longer in a controlled environment anymore. And I'm put back in the environment of his family. And with the dynamics that I always looked at, at, which was also aided in my addiction, was I always looked at the dynamics where my husband was first, then it was his family, then it was the business, then it was the children, and then it was me. And so when we were, when I was put back in this uncontrolled environment, I went back to those dynamics, anxiety kicked in, there was fear that kicked in, like all of these feelings and emotions and everything started to come rushing back. And I was into about the third day and I literally could not handle it anymore because I really didn't understand these emotions, right? Because I thought I was doing really, really good. But then I could also see my husband, all he wanted to do was be around his family. So then the abandonment issues started to kick in as well, too. So what ended up happening is I ended up drinking and I ended up hiding my drinking for about six months. Then I started to get cocky again and I started to go back to my old way of life. I started hanging out with my drinking buddies again. Then the resentment started to kick in about how much I disliked my brother and my mother but then I also started to kick in the resentment that I had towards my husband, which I didn't realize I had throughout all of these years. And that wasn't brought up until I was in treatment because I always thought my husband was the best, right? Like he was the best. But what they drawn out in me in treatment was the resentment that I had towards him for him, me letting him walk all over me. So I don't know if I was more angry at myself for letting that go on for so long or him doing it to me. But at the same time, I had to take full responsibility because I didn't communicate to him about how I felt all those years about how he was always first, no matter what. So that was the biggest thing that I think I had really had resentment towards. And if I did bring it up, when did I bring it up to him? I brought it up when I was drunk. And that's the worst thing that you could ever, ever do. So he's not taking me seriously either, right? He's just looking at me like, oh, she's drunk, right? So then after about a year and a half of me drinking, literally going back to my old ways, I woke up on August 17th of 2019. And that was when I said to myself, 
I am never going to drink a drop of alcohol ever again. And that was when I really started to look at my whole entire life. And I looked at it in a totally different perspective. I no longer was going to carry that victimhood within me. And that's what I learned in order to heal you have to get out of that victimhood. You can no longer be blaming. You have to take responsibility for your actions. And I was really, really ready. And so I no longer looked at my life as my life. I had to shift that perspective of well, as well. I had to look at my life as a story. And that's what I did. And I really dug deep into who I really was because I could see that my uh, addiction was fourth generation. This was fourth generation now. And I was looking at my children and I had four children and I'm thinking, this is, this can stop with me. That was a big light bulb moment. Like this can stop with me. So why wouldn't I want it to stop with me? You know, I can see it in my nieces and nephews and I can see it into my greats now. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want my children to go through this cycle like I have and what's going on with my nieces and nephews. So that was when I was like, no more. And that was when I really started to change my identity. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. I, I mean, I love that you shared all of that and went into detail because it really depicts the image of how, I mean, we were talking about it right before hitting record, like the inner childhood wounds and all of that. It does resurface in our life, even when we're not aware of it. Um, yeah. It's really so powerful. And so what, what was it? What would, what happened? You said August 17, like what was the trigger that got you to say like, no, I can't do this anymore. I see the pattern. I recognize that I have the choice and the power to change the pattern in my life. Like the fourth generation like ends with me. Yeah. Well, you know what me, me going to treatment that year and a half prior or whatever it was, um, that was, that was actually the beginning of my journey because it really opened my eyes up to so many things. When I was in treatment, I couldn't believe how much denial I was in. Like I, I was searching, I, like, you know, I wanted to go to treatment. I, I wanted to get help. Um, and when, when you are in that state of allowing, things will come to you. And I learned and I embraced my treatment like I was going to university. Like that meant so much to me because I wanted to get better. So I was listening to my counselors. I was listening to my peers, like whatever. I just wanted to get all this information in me to help me. And that, like I said, like I had no idea that addiction was generational or can be generational. Like I had no idea that, you know, addiction stemmed from trauma. Like there was just so many, so many things, right? I had no idea that I was blaming other people because when you are in a full-fledged addiction you don't realize the victimhood that you take upon yourself and you blame everybody else and I've been blaming everybody else for years I I had literally no control of my life you know so there so that and for anybody that thinks that going into treatment is going to cure you no way uh-uh Absolutely not. You cannot go into treatment looking at it that way at all. That is a tool that you put in your toolbox. And then so even when I came out of treatment and I was good for that year, and then I started drinking that year and a half again, I I was becoming aware of things. You know, I 
uh, you know, even when I was drinking, like uh, the feelings and emotions are like, oh, this is not good. You know, those those feelings were kicking in again, right? There was awareness. Or I became aware of like me thinking bad things. It was like, oh, I'm thinking about it again, where before I never thought about it, right? That I just let them come in because I was in my blame and I was in my victimhood, right? But now there was more awareness. So when I woke up on August 17th that day, and like, it was even like a week to two weeks prior, I was so aware, like, oh my God, my drinking is getting bad again. It's almost getting as bad to what it was before I went into treatment. And it was like, no, I'm not going there. And then it was when I woke up on that Sunday, August 17th, I was like, no freaking way I'm done. That was, but I had all these little tools built up towards then. Right. And, mm-hmm. but then I can even look deeper than that. I wanted to look deeper than that. I wanted to go more deeper than that. And that was when I realized, yeah, we're fourth generation here. I can stop the ad- addiction with me, but I even looked more deeper than that, Jessica. It was like, whose feelings, like whose beliefs are these? And then once I could see that they weren't my brothers, they weren't my mother's. They came from my father. This was a learned pattern. They came from my father. But where did they come from, from my father? They must have came from either his mother or his father. And where did they come from? You know, I could even look more deeper than that. Then I could look at myself and I could I could forgive myself for all that I've done, right? Because I I was, I turned into my brother. Like I turned in not physically abusive, but I came in, I I turned into someone that was extremely emotional abusive, extremely. Um, I had the same addiction as my brother, right? Except I didn't have the drugs. My, My brother is drugs and alcohol and still to this day. I even institutional, I was even institutionalized. Like I went into a treatment center where my brother, his institution was jail, in and out of jail several times. So I had literally turned into him. He turned into my father, right? So yeah, it and I just, and now that's what I'm. my teachings and everything are about is because you have to look really deep back at your childhood, your adolescence. Who are these people that you surround yourself with? Where are these belief systems really coming from? Where are they coming from? Because they're obviously, they weren't mine. And you can always tell that they're not your belief system when you're so uneasy, when you don't have that knowing, you know, when they're, when it causes anxiety, when all these feelings of doubt and that all come in, those are not, those are not your belief systems then. So I really had mm-hmm. to dig deep in who I was. Yeah. Yeah. And I love course, that. You- I, I, I did that through my mentorship. You know, because I had always loved my mentors like Dr. Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Louise Hay. And I'd been studying them for years, years and years at, you know, like uh, to this date, I've been studying them 25 years now. Um, And, and, but what I did then, Jessica, you know, um, I always studied and did mindset and development when I felt good. Hmm. Right. But I forgot about it when my life was going to shit. And that is when you really need to dig deep into that personal development. And now, and I didn't realize it's a lifestyle, right? It's easy to do all that stuff when your life is going great. You can manifest, 
you know, all of that, everything comes to you quickly. Life is great, but you need it the most when you're on those dark unknown days. And that's what draws you out of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And you're bringing up a great point because I think a lot of us, we start doing the good routines. We start like manifesting, we start seeing the results. So then we can get lazy and then be like, oh, I'm good. I don't need to do that. But then when everything goes back like the wrong way and you're back in like a horrible situation and you're like, oh my God, now I need to pick myself up again and do all of this work again. And so it's like the consistency is so important. And you're right. It is like a total lifestyle change where like working on the mindset, working on our inner self, like checking in with ourselves, like on a daily basis to make sure that we can keep that up. I want to go back to when you were talking about, um, like going back and seeing that the beliefs that you had, weren't there, weren't your own, they weren't your brother's. They came from your father who came from his father who came, you know, the generations. And there's this concept that I read in a book. Um, I think it's like path to integrity, but it's called like walking back the cat. And so wherever, whatever you're facing, then you think, okay, when did this happen? And like, why did this happen? And just like walk it back. Where did this originally come up from? And so it's just so important to start looking at like the root of it. And I'm curious, how did it feel? when you started walking that back in your mind and realizing that this wasn't mine, okay, I can let this go. How did that come to you? And how did you manage to be able to like release yourself from the chains of those, you know, those core beliefs that you had? See what, once I really looked at my brother, well, first of all, I had to really look at myself. Number one, I had to look at myself first, right? And I'm like, where in the hell is all this coming from? And then once I could see it in myself, because yeah, I, I I did look at myself. Oh my God, I am like my brother. What a, what a wow moment that was boy. Right. And it's so true. I ran from him my whole entire life. I disliked him my whole entire life. I thought about him every single day of how much I disliked him. That is why I became like him because it doesn't matter what, what it, Whether it's good or bad, whatever you think about the most is what you will bring into fruition or what you will become. That's what I did because I, I, because of the pattern that I was doing with him, I literally became him. So when I could, when I realized that and had that awareness, I was like, holy shit, like what an eye opener that was. And I'll tell you, that was when um, the tears really fell because I was like, oh my God, I can't even believe that. Right. You know, so then I had to take ownership of that. Then once I could take ownership of that, then all these other feelings came in. It was like, oh my God, now I understand how he felt. Or I could understand how my mom felt. Then I could actually look at my brother in a totally different way. I actually, the compassion started to kick in. It really did because I felt so sorry for him, you know, and I felt so sorry for my mom which once you have compassion, then the love can draw in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but that's not going to change. Do I like my brother? No. Will I ever like my brother? No. Is he in my life? Absolutely not. Like, not at all. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you can't have praise and release. And will I ever want to see him ever again? Never. I have not seen my brother in, it's over 20 years, I think. You know, and, and I see the life that he leads and, you know, he hasn't learned anything, but that's his journey. It's not mine. 
you know, um, and that's, that's the path he's chose because we all have a path that we have to choose. So that's, that, that's where it went with that. Like the relationship with my mother, I love my mother cause she's my mother. I, I have the compassion and everything too, but we all have that capability of becoming aware, right? She's, she's comfortable where she is. She's still in that mental abuse and all of that, right? She's still in that victimhood. We all have that choice. I woke up and I just, I decided I'm not having that choice. I want to learn. And that's what's changed me totally and completely. You know, I look at the rest of my family dynamics. They've got that choice of changing, but they're still in denial, but they're also stuck in the box, right? They're, they're, you are who you attract. Mm -hmm. They don't see that aspect. I want to be better. I, I want to be a mentor for my children. I want to be a good wife. You know, I want to be a really good friend. I want to teach people, right? I want to help people that are willing to make that decision to change. You know, you have to have that awareness. You know, that's where my goal and sole purpose is in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's a great point that you're making because I feel like you're right. Once you get to that point, then you can have compassion. You can have like an understanding, but that doesn't mean that you get to invite them back in your life. It doesn't mean like, I see you, I forgive you. And now let's carry on as like, no, you can make that choice. And I think there is so much power in, you know, um, getting to know yourself, showing up, improving yourself and being like that role model for others in your family. Like you're going to be a light. And should they end up seeing that and then being like, wow, I can really start making different changes for me. Then, you know, that's the best thing that we could do for people. It even goes back to something that I talk about on the podcast all the time, like filling your cup up, you know, that's the only way that you can be of greatest benefit. And it doesn't have to be anything direct. It could be mm -hmm. like an outside view, someone looking at you who knew you in a prior life and is like, oh my goodness, like if she could do it, maybe I can too. And let me start picking up my life, but it's each on our own time. And I wanted to mention that, like when you went to treatment, because every time you went, Shannon, it was for you, like you made the decision. And I think that makes all the difference. I mean, when people go to treatment or do anything, like we cannot change anybody if they're not willing and if they're not ready and they're not going to get the benefit if they're not really in it. And so I think it was perfect that you recognize that this is something that you actually want to do. And you probably got so much, well, you did get so much more out of it. See, and that's the thing that people really need to understand when you go on that journey of self-development, it's all about you. People are going to come in and out of your lives. And that's one thing I've really learned that there's only two reasons why people are coming into my life. Number one is that I'm going to help them in whatever way that they need that area in their life where, you know, they might need a little you know, kickstart here or there, or I'm an example of how I'm living their my life that they might need. And the second one is they are coming into my life for me to learn something. And that's how I really look at life right now, you know, uh, because we are here to create, that is our sole purpose. And I will do whatever I can to create the most amazing life for me, because this is my life. This is my journey. And with my whole de a personal development journey, like 99.9% .9 of the people that I had even two years ago, they are literally gone from my life. And it doesn't mean that I don't love them or whatever it is. They were there for a specific purpose and a reason. And we're like seasons. We're like trees. You know, the leaves fall off. But then when 
spring comes, there's those beautiful buds and leaves grow. And that's exactly what it's like for me. And, you know, like that was the biggest thing that really held me back in so many areas of my life because, well, so many, I'm going to say literally all areas of my life, because I focus so much on what everybody else wanted me to be everything. And I lost who I was. And now I know exactly who I am. Exactly. You know, and, um, and, and that's just life. And when you have that knowing and that truth of who you are, it's so comforting in knowing that too. Like, I don't have any doubts anymore. Like, yeah, sure. You know, we're all human. You know, we all have that fear or whatever, but at least I now have the tools to sit with myself when something comes up. And I know that it's all within me. And it's like, okay, why did this happen? What, where did I not have that knowing where I should have in that particular area of my life? You know, it all comes back to me and I know that. But you have to have that clarity as well too, right? You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you for everything that you've shared with us today, Shannon. And before we wrap up, do you have like one piece of advice that people could do today to start really gaining an awareness of the identity that they're holding and recognize, you know, if it's something that they want to shift to be more true to their authentic self. Oh, the number one thing I would have to say is totally have faith and belief in yourself. Like I named my company and my coaching, uh, it's called fulfillment in faith. And I live by that now, because if you have faith in yourself, because that's all you need, you will have fulfillment in absolutely every area of your life. And, and I know that. And I walk it, I talk it, I live it, I breathe it. Have faith in yourself because you are the number one person that matters over anybody, like over anybody. And I, I yeah, that, that would be my number one advice. And also mm -hmm. to go to my website shannonmondor.com and listen to my podcast like my podcast is called fulfillment in faith and yeah and like i said i live it i breathe it and i i, I preach it yeah it's so freeing jessica it's so it so freeing. yeah yeah and i love the way you put that that's all you need yeah yeah and when you know yourself it's so easy when you meet other people you can read them like a book as well, you know, and then you can help them and guide them if they need help because you can see it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a huge awareness for yourself and for others. And I mean, it just keeps getting better and better like your life and what you can do. And so thank you so much for everything. And I will be sharing all of your contact links and the link to the podcast in the show notes also. And so Thank you so, so much for your time today, Shannon. Like I loved this conversation with you and it was so great seeing you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Shannon really did share a lot of great points with us today. And it was hard for me just to choose a couple self-empowerment takeaways, but here we go. One, your core beliefs can go back generations. Realize that your core beliefs likely don't come from you. You were taught them in your little life, likely by your parents or your immediate caregivers. 
And those caregivers were taught those beliefs by the individuals that raised them. And then those individuals were taught those beliefs by the individuals that raised them. And the cycle goes on and on. And that's how we have generations of people who believe in the same belief. And every time with a new generation, it just gets strengthened and strengthened and strengthened because there is more proof that back up those beliefs. But realize wherever you are, in your life right now, if you are becoming aware of those beliefs that are holding you back, or if you are becoming aware of the cycle in, in your family and realizing that, hey, I don't want to live this way anymore, realize that you can break that generational cycle. It really can end with you. And it can end with you by doing the deep dive in yourself, doing the inner work. This is difficult work. It is not easy, but it is so worthwhile. And the results and the transformation are immeasurable. This will create a ripple effect in all of the generations to come after you. This is really powerful work. Now you can attempt to do this work on your own, or you can seek out a coach or a licensed professional to help you through it. Two. I just want to take a moment to repeat something that Shannon said during our conversation that I thought was so, so good. So after she was done explaining a story, she finished off by saying, I'm just calling it as I see it. I speak my truth. And I think this is so powerful because we are each experiencing our own versions of reality. We're each interpreting circumstances in our own unique way. And each of us are viewing this world through our own lenses of perception. We are really each truly unique. And so we cannot compare the way that we see things or interpret things or feel the way about things with anybody else because we are all unique. And so I love this idea of just calling it as I see it and speaking our truth. I feel like there's a lot of people who withhold their truth out of fear that, um, you know, others won't agree with them or this isn't the norm, but there's no shame in that, in calling it as you see it, validate your own experiences as a unique individual. And so of course we are each going to experience things in a different way. And just because your experience is different than others doesn't mean that it's less worthy of being brought to light. Three, you are the cure. You are truly the only one that will cure yourself. And this is why it is so often said, and we mentioned it on the podcast too, that you cannot change anybody else and we can't force anybody to change. It has to be them willing to change themselves. Everything comes from within first and it comes with that willingness and that allowing to be able to experience that cure and that healing and that change from within. It is so empowering to recognize that we are really the answer to everything that we're looking for in our lives. We are truly, truly the cure when we decide to be cured. Four, what you think about most will come about in your physical world. We hear this often, thoughts become things. And the science behind that is that if we continue thinking about things, those thoughts will create feelings within us. And then from those feelings, we will begin behaving in a way that will create that result in our life. And so we're creating our own self-fulfilling prophecy from the thoughts that we choose to think. And so knowing this, we can ensure that we're thinking thoughts of things that we want to bring forth into our reality. 
Five, have faith in yourself. This is the prerequisite to everything. It's the belief in yourself. And what I say all the time on the podcast, what we believe to be true will be true. And so if you have faith that you can accomplish and achieve and you can heal and you can truly live your best life, you are opening up that possibility to you. Everything begins with faith and it creates a beautiful foundation for fulfillment in every area of your life. That is from Shannon's Fulfillment in Faith podcast. And again, if you're interested in checking that out, please see the direct link to her podcast in the show notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today and I would love to hear your takeaways. Please consider leaving me a rating and review on the podcast platform that you're listening to right now or leave a comment on the YouTube channel if you're watching this episode right now. It would be so great to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, stay empowered. Thanks for being here. I hope you got just as much value out of today's episode as I did. If you feel called, please leave a rating and review of this podcast and share this episode with someone who you feel would benefit from the conversation we had. It's going to help us reach more people. And this is just one way that we can all help empower each other from the inside out. 